welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter, and I am looking at Elam, Eli McCann over Zoom. Love it. Love the backdrop. Thank you. Still over Zoom. I got in the background a painting that my grandpa painted. Did your grandpa paint that? Yeah, my great my great grandpa painted that in 1966. Beautiful. Yeah. Bob Ross wishes he could paint that. Yeah. Eli, what have you been watching? So last week I tried to watch the Jerry Seinfeld stand up. Have you tried to watch it yet? No. Uh, I've been pretty. He, you know, he does comedians and cars doing coffee, and now I like watch it in spite of Jerry Seinfeld being the host. Like I watch mm-hmm. it for the other comedians. So I'm like, I gotta put up with this cranky rich guy who just talks about how much money he has the whole time. Oh, he Jerry Seinfeld drives me crazy. I've never been a huge Seinfeld fan. I kind of think that his show worked in spite of him and not because of him. I think that he cast George and Elaine like were incredibly lucky casting choices. And and I think that he just had some great writers. And so the show worked. I've never thought his stand-up was that good. But anyway, his special is so terrible. No. It, it is it is clearly the stand-up comedy of a baby boomer who has not been told no in 30 years. Mm. And it's just like even like the people laughing in the audience sound like boomers on a cruise ship (laughs) and i mean we love our boomers Mm -hmm. but it's it is like truly so bad i recommend going and checking it out because it's like he has not updated his sense of humor since the 90s and he's worse at it Uh, that's too bad. I liked I liked him in the '90s. I really like Seinfeld. He's a terrible actor. Terrible, uh, and that's clear to anyone who has ever watched Seinfeld. But you know, he was the showrunner, um, and his joke ideas were funny. I just get the sense now that he is bored mm-hmm. and sad that people aren't paying attention to him as much as they used to. So. Maybe there like a year ago, I think it was uh, This American Life did like a podcast about stand-up comedians from other countries. Oh, and they they interview there there's like this guy, I think he's French, and he's trying to make it as a stand-up comedian in the US and is really struggling yeah. because like just senses of humor are different and he's he's having a hard time connecting with audiences in the US. So he sits down with Jerry Seinfeld to get advice and Seinfeld is such a dick to him and it's just like you're not good you have to be the best at this or else you need to just like go find something else to do just like get out of here you're not good and the whole time Jerry Seinfeld was saying this I was like are you good like I know that you've been successful and I know that like most people would have considered you good 20 or 30 years ago but I don't know that you're any good now and if Jerry Seinfeld wasn't famous and like got up and did his today's stand-up comedy like I feel like it would not resonate with audiences but anyway so it was kind of interesting to see it and just be like yeah you're kind of past your prime um sorry to cut you off but I will regret it if I don't say it there is an episode of comedians and cars getting coffee where he goes with Ellen to get coffee and it is like watching the two most unlikable people in show business, try and have a conversation with each other. And like, it's a weirdly hostile conversation. 
it's just it's super you, you should look it up just like to really? understand the vibe i'm talking about it's super super weird huh i know it's popular to think um and, and like almost a cliche to think that ellen is apparently really mean uh, but she uh, she has really kind of seemed mean to me for a long time. And it's been interesting, like, lately, all the stories that are coming out about it. Yeah. I feel like the, what was the first story? To, maybe it was when Dakota Johnson was, like, given her gruff on the show yeah. when people, like, because a celebrity had done that, someone who's kind of untouchable, all these other people felt like they could come forward and say, like, yeah, actually, she's the worst. Yeah. So I have a friend who just learned that Ellen's the worst. And... I had to like, be like, I'm so sorry. You know, yeah. as someone who's very online, we've known about this for a while. If you have any <laughs> questions, let me know. I'm here for you. <laughs> I know, I know it's a really hard thing when you have to learn that Ellen's a jerk. So yeah. yeah. Uh, what else have you been watching? You know, I'm, I'm watching simultaneously watching three separate seasons of Survivor. So I've never done this before. I usually like, because I usually don't watch more than one at a time yeah. um, because I don't want to get them confused. But I am just like immersed right now in the Survivor universe. Tomorrow is the season finale of season 40. It's going to be a three-hour season finale. and Three am, hours? Yeah, it's three hours. What? So you, you need to brace yourself for this. What? It is. So normally this, the finale is two hours and then they do a one-hour like reunion episode that I, I often will just kind of like, tune out or fast forward yeah. through. Um, but apparently there's so much packed in this finale that it sounds like the reunion episode, which is going to be over Zoom and awkward anyway, is going to be like very short and they're going to actually like put a lot of the game in. Um, but I, I mean, I understand that probably sounds overwhelming to you. Make it 30 hours and I will I eat mean, up. To be fair, I have sat through so many three-hour bachelor finales who am i to judge yeah so the ringer has been like harping on this lately because a lot of like fans are really annoyed that season 40 is only the episodes are only one hour because they feel so rushed because so much is happening and on the ringer the podcast they keep saying like the bachelor has like four hours a week yeah I, I didn't know that. They're like four hours a week and nothing happens on that show. And we can't even get 90 minute episodes for Survivor. It's like one of the most watched shows in America. Are they worried people will get bored? Like just yeah. give us another 30 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. It's I mean, a real, it's, I'm not going to lie. There's a real sense of accomplishment. I feel having sat through four hours of The Bachelor in a week. Like I am strong. <laughs> I'm a survivor. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anything oh, else? No, what have you been watching? Uh, Top Chef. I'm loving Top Chef. Uh, it's Kentucky, which I think is the season prior to this current season because it's what's available on Hulu right now. I really, really like it. It's a lot of fun. The chefs are very talented. Um, but here's the thing. I don't know if you've been following like the Allison Roman, Chrissy Teigen stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, which is like I have been just – I'm knee deep in this stuff. Like every article that pops up, I'm devouring it because I like, I'm a recent Alison Roman fan. I bought a cookbook. I was like, oh, these are fun food ideas. And now I'm like, oh no, she's a jerk. Like, what do I do with this? Is she a racist? Do I have to throw my cookbook away? Also, I really want to make those cookies, you know, like all these different things. Yeah. The food world is very dramatic and it is yeah. full of some big egos. For some reason, I feel like chefs have this 
like chip on their shoulder, like no one takes me seriously. So I'm going to be like a complete a-hole to everyone I come in contact with. So people take me seriously, but the chefs on top chef are not like that. They're like all really fun to watch. They get along with each other. They make really interesting food and it's not like the same food over and over. It's like, Half of it is food I've never heard of, but half of it is like, oh, I'm going to try cooking chicken that way at home. I think I could try that, which is my favorite kind of food show to watch. Um, And the challenges are fun, and they really incorporate a lot of the local culture. So they're in Kentucky, so they're doing like a lot of like um, good seafood, and they're doing like fried food, and they're doing like Kentucky Derby food, and... um, you know, there was a lot of like speakeasies during prohibition in Kentucky. So they're doing a lot of fun cocktails and like, it's just, it's a really fun show to watch. It's well-made. Padma's a good host. Um, they're, they're professional. They're not mean hosts. It's just like, it's a very good reality show that you don't have to give your full attention, but you also don't feel like garbage for watching. Mm. And I think if you're like a food person, if food is something you're interested in, you, you'll really, really love Top Chef. Okay. Um, we can I ask you real quick about yeah. just while you're on the food topic, what did you think about the Chrissy Teigen thing? Actually, I think I'm going to write about it because I'm still kind of okay. like processing it. Um, I think Stephen summarized it best when I was talking to him about it. No, it's going to sound like he was dismissive of it, but I was like, you know, what do I do? And he's like does it really matter if two white or not white, but two rich ladies are fighting on Twitter? And I was like, Oh yeah, (laughs) probably not. (laughs) Probably they're both going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do, I'm still like processing how I feel about it and trying to decide what the benefit of the doubt is here. And is she racist in the way that a lot of us are in that we just like have these biases that we aren't even aware, you know, like all these Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we finished, we made it through season three of Community and we started season four and it was like, ah, this doesn't feel the same. I think it's because they took Dan Harmon off at that point and we knew Donald Glover leaves the next season. So we're like, let's just start Atlanta. Oh, um, yeah. His show that he did on FX. Uh, and for some reason, I have been hesitant to start Atlanta. Same. It's really good. Yeah. It is really, really good. It's, um, it's heavy, but it's also funny. Um, it's really clever. Lakeith Stanfield is in it and is just really funny. Uh, I think that we are four episodes in and like, I'm so excited to put my kids to bed tonight so I can watch more Atlanta. Oh, where do you watch it? Hulu. Okay. Um, and that is, I think, really the only two shows that I've been watching in the last week. Um, and then, you know, last night I, uh, I tuned into Disney Plus for Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, which is what we are talking about here today. Now, Eli, Sister Act, perfect film. Just everything you want from a movie movie from the early 90s you've got your you've got your whoopee you've got a bunch of nuns uh you've got a convent that needs help you've got a lot of musical talent you've got you know it's what it was like the the what made glee what made people want to watch glee take songs 
mix them up a little, make some, make them fun, have some nuns do some choreography. There was a lot of that in Sister Act. Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, forgot why people Don't. liked Sister Act. Don't. There's like Don't one and a half musical numbers, and then the rest is like teenagers. Am I right? No, that is yes. not true. There okay. are defend multiple. I dare you to defend this movie. Meg, are you kidding me? I am Okay, not listen. Sister Act 1 is like looking at the Pieta. It's perfect. <laughs> It is outrageously beautiful. Yes. You cannot imagine a way that you could improve on it. Sister Act 2 is like looking at the Pieta in the presence of God. Oh, it is, yes. Okay. It is a perfect film. I, I would die for Sister Act 2. I have seen it probably 250 times okay. in my life. I could quote it from the beginning all the way to the end in Chinese and then backwards. All right, so let's break it down. Okay. Uh, we start with Whoopi doing what appears to be a successful stage show in Reno. In Vegas. No, it's yeah. actually in Vegas. I looked it oh, up. Oh, really? Because She's the first a, one was Reno. Yeah, I know. She upgrades to Vegas and becomes a Vegas headliner. Full disclosure, I might have been on my phone a little bit during that opening sequence. Uh, but, so, you know, this really fun, great performance all about her story of, like, running away from her scummy boyfriend, becoming a nun, and um, yeah. living with the sisters, and then helping them meet the Pope during their great performance. Uh, and there's, like, flying, there's dancing, it's all, it's great. It's a, yeah. it's a really great watch. And she has this really nice, like, hotel room that's all hers. Yeah. And the and nuns are like, hey, we need you to come teach at school. And she's like, all right. Well, they're like, what they tell her, they say, we need you to come back with us. Sister Mary Maggie Smith told us that we have to bring you back to San Francisco for reasons. So they drive all the way from Vegas to San Francisco in one night, which must be like a 15 hour drive. I don't know. And then they get to Ve they get to San Francisco and she goes and meets with Maggie Smith. And Maggie Smith is like, we are now teaching at a high school and it's a mess. And we need you to put the habit back on and teach at our high school. And Whoopi's like, what? I don't have time for this. I'm a headliner in Vegas. And Maggie Smith is like, maybe you don't remember how we housed you and put our lives at risk for you. And now we're asking this one little thing for you to okay. give up your entire career and come teach. Yeah, no, okay. That makes more sense. Cause I thought Whoopi was like, yes, I will drop it all to come work for you. Cause that is very inconsistent with Whoopi's character mm -hmm. from the first movie. Mm -hmm. uh, also at this school are a bunch of monks who are bumbling idiots. Yeah, the men are dumb. The men are very dumb. There's, a, there's an evil man, Mr. Mm -hmm. Crisp, who wants to sell the school for a parking lot. And I'm like, that seems like a good investment to me. These kids can go to other schools. The school's <laughs> not in great condition. You're looking at a full renovation if you want to keep it over. Yeah, dude, make this a parking lot. Let the kids go to other schools. That, that's not what's going to happen, though. And also, this was Whoopi's high school. She went to high school at this high school school she doesn't so have she, fond memories Whoopi also is like oh uh, yeah we should probably get rid of this school at first okay. but then she goes to the music class to teach on her first day and these kids are wild okay i'm sorry they're like <laughs> good luck in there i hope you come out alive she walks in and they're all like just like quietly chatting with each other and one of them's like rapping about like i don't know oh no they're telling your mom a joke your mom is sat on a rainbow and skittles popped out like that's they're like the worst the worst mama jokes and also like 
I, I think the movie wants you to think this is Dangerous Minds and these kids are all like in gangs and like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or you stand know, and deliver. Yes, yeah, scary lives. But these are actually like incredibly good kids. Yes. Like they're all like straight A students. They're very respectful, except for like a few key moments where they have like a little bit of attitude because movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Whoopi whips them into shape. like almost immediately she has yeah. like one class where they like kind of don't listen to her and then the next class she's like if you want to be somebody and if you want to go somewhere you better wake up and pay attention and then all the kids are like what and then they all like are sitting up like straight in their desks except for lauren hill who's like peace out i don't have to listen to no nun lady but then nobody follows lauren hill um we'll get back to lauren hill in a minute in a minute but my favorite okay I want to talk about this with you. Like more broadly speaking of musicals, I have one of my biggest pet peeves in musicals is this thing that happens very frequently. There are kind of like two types of musicals. There are musicals that are about music and musical performances are incorporated into the storytelling so that you can like see the music displayed. Like The Sound of Music would be one of those where like the story is about a woman who goes and teaches these kids to sing and then they perform for other people. And then there are musicals where music has nothing to do with the story, but music is used to tell the story. And that would be like something like Hamilton. Mm -hmm. um, this is obviously like the, the first type. And one of my biggest pet peeves in these types of musicals is- This isn't when, a musical. This, I wouldn't call this movie a musical. I would, I would call it, okay, well, whatever you want to call this. One of my biggest pet peeves in this type of thing is when the music is unrealistic. And mm -hmm. so like, like I want, if the story is about like people performing music, then I want to see performances that feel real because then I can like get behind the performances. But- this is why I hated Glee so much. One of the many reasons why I hated Glee so much is every time they went to perform a song, it was like, this is completely outrageously unrealistic. Their stage productions are like a million dollars every time. And like their voices are all synthesized and whatever else. So when Whoopi's in the class with these kids and she's like teaching them life lessons and then all the kids start like singing the life lesson, like in unison and like beatboxing and whatever else, I like... I immediately am like getting turned off to this movie and they do it several times throughout this movie where like the performances become like kind of unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my one and only criticism of this movie is that I wish that they had been a little bit more realistic with the performances. It's, they don't even get to the performances until like an hour and 20 minutes in. And I'm like, I bought Disney plus and I'm paying for a subscription and now you're giving me like an hour 20 minutes of like loose character development get out of here like give me the nuns singing about Jesus to the tune of like I don't know a Tina Turner you know like give me what I want you're not giving me enough of what I want here well so we we do get the great so after Whoopi like realizes the kids can sing and she's like I'm gonna turn you into a choir and then she takes the kids to the nursing home to watch the nuns from sister act one perform in a nursing home which if that is what happens in nursing homes sign me up for a nursing home today yeah the nuns performance in that nursing home bomb perfect that yeah. is give me more of the nuns the nuns are what made <laughs> sister act good those nuns 
uh, the witch from Hocus Pocus put her in everything. She's incredible. <laughs> you have Maggie Smith there, and you're barely using her. Like, I I don't reinvent the wheel. I have a feeling Maggie Smith, they like called her and they're like, hey, remember Sister Act 1 that we made last month? Well, we need to pump out a second one of these yeah. like today. This and Maggie, happened quick. Oh, it was right? like a year. It was like one year. Was it just one year? Yeah. And I think Maggie Smith was probably like, I'll give you two hours. Use me however you want, but I'm out. And so they're just like, sure. hurry, put her in this scene. <laughs> get, yeah. get your lines up. The kids, man, like they... We're okay. not great. Uh, okay. Lauren Hill, her voice oh, is well, amazing. She's Lauren Hill. I mean. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. I don't, I don't disagree with you. Is she a good actor? Eh. She's, she's fine. Eh. She's fine. She's not the worst. She was probably the best. You know who wasn't good? Jennifer Ooh. Love Hewitt. Oh, I forgot that she was in this movie somehow. Yeah, and five years later, she plays someone still in high school and can't hardly wait. <laughs> oh, bless her. Um, okay, so the plot line of our school is going to close down uh-huh. unless we perform well in choir and then like the Pope will save us. I don't understand. Like the like, people from corporate won't shut us down. The if states, we have a good, good choir. The states could not be higher and could not make less sense. Like <laughs> somehow music class is going to save the school from shareholders who aren't making money. <laughs> So that that is a hilarious plot point. My other hilarious plot point, one of many, is uh, Lauren Hill's mother, like the daughter-mother relationship. Lauren Hill's mom is like, there are plenty of people out on the street singing their shoulda, woulda, couldas, but mm-hmm. you need to get your mind in the books because singing is not in your future and like music is not your career. A- Lauren Hill is actually enrolled in a music class. So she like does need to get an A in that class if you want her to like go go to college. Like she doesn't get to just fail that class and like do well in math and end up at a good college. Keeping her from performing in the competition is actually working against your point. It will lower her grades and make her less likely to succeed. Yeah, if you also it's a music elective, like (laughs) settle down. Yeah, and then B, your daughter being in a choir as a part of required curriculum (laughs) for which she is relying on doing well and to boost her GPA, performing in a choir does not equate to her giving up on all other things in her life. And so like the mom walking in and like, why is there a music book in our apartment? And she's like, mom, it's just for my class. And she's like, basically chucks it out the window and is like, I never want you to hear a musical note again in your life. It's like, it's, it's like way, way too much, way too much. They needed to find a different reason for Lauren Hill's mom to be like unsupportive. And maybe that reason should have just been like absentee parent or something, but like having an, like an overly watchful mother who like wants you to do well in school and does that by trying to keep you from doing well in school. Like it may, it, it's mind bogglingly stupid. Plot I feel point. like this movie, first of all, I feel like the creators of this movie showed a bot 1000 hours of Disney channel original movies and then had it write a script. 
I also feel like they were like, we want to represent the lives of inner city kids. You know, we want to get, we want to get gritty and tell the real struggles of a lot of teens in cities today. And like the, the biggest conflict they could come up with was like a mom who wants the best for her daughter, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that it's- was like the point of conflict. And it's like, what? literally nothing has gone wrong this whole movie. Yeah, th- this is what I'm saying. I think the movie wanted to be Dangerous Minds, but they were Disney. And so it yeah. was just like, not like nothing. We, we assume these kids have hardships, but we never see a single one of them that's like legitimately a hardship. And they're all like, they seem to have support and a bunch of teachers at a private school who like, adore them and will do yeah. anything for them including a vegas headliner whoopi goldberg so let's talk about the whoopi of it all for a minute yes i think whoopi is one of the greatest treasures that we have discovered in this country in our 200 and whatever years of existence and i will watch her do any role in any movie or tv show a thousand times and never get sick of it. What about the one where she's like a cop with her dinosaur? Amazing. Have you? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> okay, but don't you love Whoopi as Sister Mary Clarence? Of course I love Whoopi as Sister Mary Clarence. I am, did you know she suffers from alopecia? No. Yeah, I, uh, last night I kept getting distracted by her lack of eyebrows. Oh. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why. And it turns out she has alopecia. No, yeah, Whoopi, uh, Whoopi's great. And then she just kind of went away, and now she just does the View. Yeah, does she do anything else? I think she's just living on that View money, and good for her, I guess. I mean, do whatever you want, Whoopi. I don't even care. I mean, obviously, I want you to be in movies, but do what you want. I, I think she's fun in this. Um, I read like Siskel and Eve. Egbert like did their review back in the day and they were like, eh, she looks bored and like she doesn't want to be there. And I don't really get that. I feel like I she do. was I feel like she was fun to watch. I feel like she's like the appropriate amount of sarcastic for that character. She's like snippy with the kids. And I I'm like fine with it. But you think that you can tell she's bored? Yes. Yeah, I can tell she's phoning it in. Also, she <laughs> Uh, she's like the original, like, I'm an English teacher who raps, you know, like she like <laughs> walks up to the group of kids and she's like, I can, I can, I can flow. I can drop a beat. And she's like, you got to get to class for your future. You got to get to class to learn more stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh my gosh. And to be fair, like this is, this movie walked so a lot of movies could run. I wish none of those movies existed. So I don't yeah. know if that's a good or bad thing, but. Uh... It's, it's a little, a little bit different in this case because her character is leaning into the fact that she knows this is stupid. So mm-hmm. like, sh- she's like, oh, like I will just walk up and embarrass myself. And I know it's embarrassing, but I don't care what any of you think because I'm a Vegas headliner. And so I feel like there is a little bit of a difference. She's not like, that educator who like wanted to become an educator and go save the children. She was guilted into doing this gig for a short time. And then there are a bunch of like snot nosed kids who don't realize that Whoopi is their teacher and they should just be grateful. Mm-hmm. And so she's just like, oh, whatever, I'm going to put on a nun outfit, take you to nursing homes and watch other nuns sing. And then 
then I'm going to tell you to shut your mouths if you don't think it's cool. She so. does have a very admirable quality in this movie, and that is that she is not afraid of teens, yeah. <laughs> most of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a real strength for her. Another uh, plot point in this movie is that for some reason, the monks can't know that Whoopi isn't a real nun. And so mm. it's like this like secret that the nuns are trying to keep. And then Mr. Crisp finds out and he's like, well, clearly I've got to stop them from competing in this competition we just made up that doesn't exist that <laughs> we need for this movie. And so we got to follow them to this competition. Like, it's just also like, oh, you know, <laughs> watch Xenon Girl the 21st Century. Learn how your craft works. Like, I think the problematic thing is not so much that they they can't let them know she's not really a nun, but she's not an educator. Like she has no qualification. She's not certified or whatever else. And like probably that's a problem. Like I'm you sorry. probably did can't- my did my math teacher in high school who was also the football coach who turned on home star runner every day have qualifications? I don't think Listen, so. I'm talking about certificates, not know-how. Okay. Like you, you probably can get into trouble if you bring a random stranger off the street into your school and put them in charge of a classroom. Like that's fair. They probably have to have a degree. And so like the fact that they've like brought in Whoopi, I, I think it's more of an issue of certification. And they're just like, yeah, she's a nun who can teach at our school. Eli, I think you and I right now are giving this more thought than the script. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of my favorite moments of this entire movie is at the end when they're getting ready to go in and perform and they realize that the snobby choir from the rich school is also doing Joyful Joyful, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. woof. And um, they're like, oh no, they're doing our song and in better robes. And so just as Lauren Hill's out there, like starting the number, singing by herself beautifully. Yeah. And then that like stage woman, who is that? I don't know. She's like, has a mic around her mouth, comes up to the kids and she says, your teacher says, take off your robes. And they're like, what? And she's like, I don't know, just take them off, which is like a little bit problematic that a teacher's asking kids to take their clothes off. But so they all like, stripped down from their robes to their like incredibly cool 1993 street clothes. That oh, they all, like... there were some looks that I was into. <laughs> the wide yeah. leg pants with the huge belt loops and those giant belts. Give me that belt. I need yeah. that belt. <laughs> and so, and then, and then suddenly Whoopi's there and she's like, I just think if we're going to do this, we might as well do it comfortable. Meanwhile, Lauren Hill is still out there singing an introduction to the musical number they're about to perform. I'm like, long is this introduction and then they all like run out like doing like acrobatic like flips and lauren hill is not even surprised by the fact that all of her classmates are in street clothes and in fact like in one felt move like flips off her own robe and she's dressed impeccably thank goodness she had clothes on you know no kidding thank goodness they all had clothes on like i would have been like sweats it'd be like well we're wearing robes who cares yeah boxers (laughs) and a tank Okay, that final musical number, though, is, it is amazing. Amazing. They rap G-O-D, yeah, you know me. It features a, a young white man in chunky overall shorts <laughs> rapping. Kenny! <laughs> yeah, you know me. And then all the women singing, what have you done for him lately? Ooh, yeah. 
I could do the entire performance. Really, you know this movie. Oh, honey, are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. I have watched it probably 250 Was it a, a VHS at the McCann household? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sister Act 1 and Sister Act 2. And what would happen is I would put on Sister Act 1. I would make it about halfway through. And then I would realize that I really just wanted to watch Sister Act 2. And then I would switch you it know, out. You preferred Sister Act 2 back in the habit. Oh, I still do. I like... I still think it is a more fun. Okay, here, here's what I'll say. I prefer the musical numbers of Sister Act One. Yeah. I prefer the film Sister Act. Two. That is insane. And you know I, that's insane. I have like a very soft place in my heart for Sister Act One. I had when I was like eight. I was at visiting my grandma in Southern California and my grandparents were divorced and we went to this family party and both of them were at this family party. It was very uncomfortable. And about halfway through the night, my, my grandma like just left to go home and just, she just didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And I went with her, I was eight years old and we went to her house and my grandma had on VHS. It was the only tape she had sister act one. I had never seen it. Oh my gosh. She put it on and she and I popped some popcorn and we sat there and watched sister act one and cried ourselves like laughed so hard that we were tears and to this day my grandma's in her 90s now and to this day every time i see her she gets she like wraps her little hand around my forearm and says do you remember when we laughed at that whoopee and it to like to this day like you cannot even bring up sister act without me just feeling warm feelings about it but i mean i just think it's like it's one of these movies, every once in a while you criticize me, Meg, because I'll like crap on movies that people like that I just think are so cheesy or whatever else. And you, you will say this to me, and this is a movie that I apply this philosophy to. Sometimes you just have to like put on a movie and be like, I am not going to think about this. I am only going to have fun right now. That's fair. It could have been that I wanted to watch Atlanta, but I was like, oh, this is a podcast <laughs> tomorrow. Gotta watch Sister Act 2. That may have colored my experience. Uh, I also watched this movie in my grandma's basement. This is like a movie to watch with your grandma. I watched Sister wow. Act 1 and Sister Act 2 in my grandma's house. So That's, That's amazing. Along with uh, to- Babes in Toyland, wasn't that? That the- was a different grandma. <laughs> okay. One grandma had good movies. One grandma had a lot of like off-brand. Uh-huh. Oh, man. That- oh. Did you ever see Rock-A-Doodle-Doo? No, but you, I know of it because of you. Yeah, don't ever show that to your children. Um, we got to go before Zoom kicks us off. Freaking yeah. Zoom. Freaking Zoom. Zoom. Eli, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, Survivor finale tomorrow night. Come watch it with me. Oh my gosh. We will be talking Survivor <laughs> next week. Uh, yep. So, you know. Watch the finale if you want, I guess. That'd be kind of weird to just watch the finale and not watch the rest of the season. Watch the whole season. Also, we have a lot of Survivor watchers who listen to Hive Mind. They reach out to me from time to time. Well, all of you, tune in tomorrow night and then listen in a week from tomorrow when we'll be talking Survivor a week from today. Because in podcast world, today's Wednesday. So we'll listen. You get it. All right. We'll be back later. Uh, Eli, have a great day. Listeners, hope you're doing well. Goodbye.